We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I know we had a lot of questions, Brian. Are we yes, we do. Ready to go, all right. We are ready to go, man. Let's Lots rock. of questions today. Just again, reminder: if you uh, want to ask a question, or if you just want to make, there's like a comment in here as well. But if you have a question or a comment, uh, just go ahead and put MB on there. And of course, super chats will always get uh, get a little extra special attention. But let's kick things off, Ryan, with Coleman Smith. Coleman says, do you think that Sam Hartman was ever fully bought in? There were times on the sideline he looked disinterested, even when things were well. I think that's an unfair thing to say because yeah. we don't know Sam Hartman. You know, like I, I I knew a guy once, used to work for a guy, that would always talk about how Brady Quinn has this deer in headlights look. And I'm like, that's just his – it's like from those who have seen Top Gun Maverick. Somebody says, I don't like the look you got right now, Mav. And he's like, it's the only one I got. You know what right, I mean? Like right. we don't know that – you go back and watch Wake Forest games, that's how Sam was on the sideline then too. He's a yeah. very stoic-looking kid. Sure. You know, and, and people say, oh, he's standing over by his away from the team. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of always what he did. But we only noticed it once they lost a game or lost a couple games. Right. You know, quarterbacks kind of get it's like a pitcher. You know, I mean, certain pitchers like certain interaction on and on the field and on the bench. Some guys like to be left alone. Some guys are, you know what I mean? It's like from, from uh, the movie. Um, oh, my gosh. For love of the game. Yeah. You know, when they get to like inning seven and like Kevin Costner sitting all by himself and like everybody else is on like the other <laughs> side of the bench, right? When he had the perfect game going. Right, exactly. Yeah. And right, some people yeah. it's different. Somebody say, hey guys, like we'll just, just let's do what we normally do. Yeah. Uh so I mean, those are all those are all things that you look at. That's just was Sam's just always got the even when he was smiling, like he just kind of had this like serious look on his face. So look, do I think Sam Hartman played well this year? Not really. Do I think he struggled transitioning to this offense? I do. Do I think that uh, – was I disappointed with the production we saw from him this year? Absolutely. Uh, should I have put more emphasis on how challenging it would be to deprogram him plus to re- then to reprogram him? Yeah, I should have. Hindsight 2020. Was there ever a minute where I thought Sam Hartman just was kind of going through the motions and and – and I'll, no, because you would know that by how his teammates interact with him. That's how you would know that. Sure. And with with a couple of exceptions on the perimeter, 
which I understand. I think those were more frustrations with the offense that were taken out on him than they were necessarily with him. You watch how his teammates interact with him. I, I think Sam Hartman was bought in. I just don't think he played great. And and so I understand we're looking for things to point to. There's a lot of football reasons that we can break down why Sam Hartman wasn't as good as he was. But I honestly, and, and guys, you know some of the stuff we hear. I mean, we put it on the board. You know some of the, the intel that we get. And and we probably only put 25, 30% of that stuff on the board because some of us just like, yeah, that's not uh, that's not for public consumption. Or if I put it on there, everyone's going to know who my source was. And it just, you know. But like that is not that is not something I've ever heard from anybody was an issue with Sam Hartman at all. Yeah. So I just well, want to be fair with with our criticisms of, of him. I, I just wouldn't I wouldn't spend too much time reading a one year player as far as what their body language and how they interact with people is, because it's not like if Sam Hartman was here for four years or five years and then all of a sudden you saw a change his final right. year where you're like, that's different. Why is right. he acting like that? That's completely different. But nobody knew Sam Hartman until this year from a Notre Dame perspective. You didn't know how he interacted with people. You didn't see what his, his posture was on the sideline or his body language was on the sideline. I, I, I think that is also very unfair. And I've never, again, like I've never heard a single bad thing said about Sam, even when they were struggling from a personal perspective, never heard it, never heard that. So I don't think, I don't think that that has much to do with it at all. Coleman. I think Brian hit on it perfectly that there were just some things that he struggled with in the transition to the offense and some things that he was asked to do. And that's why I think Notre Dame is targeting a different type Mm -hmm. of football player in the portal this time. Riley Leonard and Sam Hartman are polar opposites. Polar. They are very different football players, and I think you're working for different. When there's a change next, right, what usually happens, usually you go after something that's different. And I think that's what Notre Dame is doing right now, going after a little difference. And we're also saying that it's it's who's pursuing the portal quarterback is different now than it was last time. I mean, last time it was Tommy Reese looking for someone to fit into his offense, and now yeah. it's Jared Parker looking for someone to fit into his offense, and that's part of it as well. I mean, I, I, to me, it's 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 somewhat of a fair question. I just, I, I you know, and, and I get it, and I understand I would see things that people would point out to me and be like, okay, I can understand how that can be perceived as he's not bought in. Sure. But a lot of times, honestly, that's just, I mean, we're, we're seeing it on TV. We don't know that he already had a conversation with somebody. You know, we don't know those things. So, I mean, was Sam Hartman the leader of the team? Not really, because you that takes a lot of time to to build that. Uh, and that's, I think, kind of part of the issue with this year's team in some ways. Uh, but he was a leader. That's why his teammate – I mean, think about it. Guys, his teammates elected him as a captain. Right. Notre Dame didn't appoint him as a captain. Right. right. He was elected as a captain. And and there's a reason for that. I mean, one of the things we heard all spring and summer was he's really the kids love him because he he's just he's one of the guys. He doesn't come in. He's not trying to big time everybody. He didn't act like I'm this all time leading passer. Uh, you know, right. you should be lucky to have me here. He never acted like that. Sure. And and that's another reason he endeared himself. I just don't think he played overly well. That's really what it comes down to. But um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the transition for Riley Leonard goes. I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting. And then how does the offense mold around him? Another thing that'll be interesting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Next question is from Skyler ND said, if all the 2024 guys stay committed, who has potential for early enrollments? Ryan, you went over this so yeah. on the board, so you want to just yes. kind of quickly go through yeah. that list. It's a it's a pretty big – I think it's 15. 15, 15 yeah. guys, yeah. It's a big list, guys. Yeah. It really is. So the early enrollees that is on the message board as well, like Brian said. So CJ Carr is an early enrollee. Running back Aeneas Williams is an early enrollee, uh, as is Kedron Young. Wide receivers Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert are early enrollees. Jack Larson, tight end of North Carolina, is an early enrollee. Three offensive linemen, early enrollees this cycle, Styles Prescott, Peter Jones, and Anthony Knapp. Defensive ends who will be early enrollees are Cole Mullins, Bryce Young, and Logan Thomas. Defensive tackle Sean Cebolano is an early enrollee. Linebacker Kingston Villiamo Asa is an early enrollee. And the lone defensive back that is an early enrollee is safety Kennedy Erlacher. So a total of 15 players that will be enrolling early at the University of Notre Dame, a record for the program. Ryan, it, that list also is important because there's positions where you're hoping some of those young guys can play right away, that they're going to need that time to develop that camp. Cam Williams, yep. for example, yes. right? Yep. Uh, did you have Kedron Young on your list or just Kedron? Oh, that's another is. one, right? So yep. you're going to have the numbers you need at running back in this. Both part. running backs will be there, Aeneas yeah. as well. Yeah, so. I, knew, I knew Aeneas would. Yeah. But it, the other part of it too, <clears throat> Ryan, when I look at this group, is there's one regret. There's one guy that I really wished was on the early enrollee list that's not. And I think you know who I'm going to say here, right? 
One one regrets. Oh, Gerby Lambert. Oh is yeah, that one? yeah. That's oh one. yeah. I yeah. really feel like if Gerby was an early enrollee, he'd have a sh- chance to eventually take over. That's fair. That That's very fair. You know, you know who's pretty big on that early enrollee list. Not as much from like maybe first year impacts fully, but more from a depth perspective with where you are. Is Jack Larson? The tight end room's kind of beat oh, up right yeah. now. Like having Jack coming in in the spring is oh yeah really nice for that room. Well, you know? He's such a savvy player. Like I, I know why people don't think a lot of some some don't think yeah. he's not very big he's not very fast but that kid just knows how to play football man yeah, he's and and right. i'll be shocked if jack comes in and doesn't pick up the offense quickly now do i think jack's gonna play a ton as a freshman no but do i think jack can pick things up quick enough to say hey we have another injury we can we we can ask jack larson to do some things we asked david sherwood to do and holden stace to do yeah i think he can do that stuff as a freshman and the thing about it is is he's gonna have about an eight month head start on the strength program, yeah. which is important. And he's going to need that. You know, yeah. he's going to need that more than some other guys in order to play as a, as a rookie. And, and I think it'll translate as far as the ability to play through contact and block, because I do think that he has a body that could easily put on a decent amount of weight. And I think that he will put on that weight pretty quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. When, when I look at him, Ryan, he, I, I don't ever view Jack Larson as being the guy sure. at Notre Dame, the way that they recruit tight end. But I'll be shocked if he's not, uh, like a guy where you're like, you know what, that he's not the guy, and this guy's a, you know, James Flanagan may be the star someday, but you're like, dude, Riley Jack had like 15 catches, and mm-hmm. but I'm thinking like I can think or like 12 catches, but I'm like I can name all 12 of them and how they were a big sure. moment and they converted to third down or it was a touchdown in a big game, like that's just how I think Jack Larson's going to be, and there's value yeah. to guys like that. You know, and and uh, I just I think he's going to end up becoming a fan. I think he's one of the least liked guys in the class right now because he's not the highly ranked, sexy recruit. But I think he was when he committed to Notre Dame. Right, exactly. So long ago, we forgot that. But I think he's going to become a fan favorite when it's all said and done. He could, yeah. Even even though he won't be the guy at tight end, or at least I don't predict him to be. Yeah, I think he's just going to be that does the dirty work guy that they all love, and and you're just like you 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 lose him, and you're like you know. He didn't catch a hundred passes here, but man, that dude was clutch. Yeah, and and I think it's also big. One of my early ones that I'm excited about is with the big end position and a little bit of flux, getting Bryce Young in early and start again working on his body, continuing to develop that. I'm very interested to see what Bryce Young is able to do as a freshman if he's able to gain any traction at big end because. I mean, from a talent perspective, Brian, like Bryce Young's maybe your most talented big end on the roster next year. Like, I mean, he might be just from a physical explosiveness length perspective. Like he is, look, it might be, it might be, it might be inexperienced next year, the big end position, but having him with Brennan Vernon and maybe Tyson Ford and some of those young cats, like that's going to be a talented big end room. So let's see how it develops, man. Let's see how it develops. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the next question here, Ryan. And this is from uh, – uh, well, let's just get to this one from – actually, no, let's – we had a couple Super Chats I want to get to first. Okay. We had Mark Wan who says, you guys look rested. Thank, Thank you, Mark. You. I'm actually not at all, but I, I didn't sleep very I, much. Neither am I. Thank you so much. <laughs> I went to bed at like 5 o'clock last night uh, yeah. just getting a lot done and and uh, had to get up at like 9, 9.30 this morning. So it's like, yeah, it's – um. And I was, and I, I mean, I'll put it like this, Ryan, when you got up this morning and you texted me the response to my text, because sometimes like, I know Ryan goes to bed much earlier than me (laughs) and we kind of have an understanding, like his texts don't wake him up at night. So if I think of things you need him to do when he gets up, I'll text him and then he'll respond. You respond when you respond to me, like almost 5am, I was just going to bed. (laughs) 
So yeah. we, there, well, that's happened a lot with Ryan and I, where he'll text me a yep. response because he's waking up and I'm going to bed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're, we're tired for different reasons, but both. Yep. Uh, but I but I am just, I think I'm just excited to come on the mailbag and just talk ball yep. today. Yep. I think that's the thing for me. M- Mark, this isn't rested. This is called coffee. But yes. it's, it's, we're here, man. We're here. <laughs> but I appreciate you, Mark. I really do. Absolutely. I really do. All right, we had Tyler Evans with another super chat. Thank you so much, Tyler. Favorite head coach hire and least head coach hire so far. Well, I'm, I'm I'm pulling him up now, Ryan, just to kind of go yeah. look through the different ones so far. I, I the, off the top of my head, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna have to go look at it and see the new yeah. hires. But the, just off the top of my head, there's two hires that I think are just absolutely just well, three really that I think are just absolute home run hires. Yeah, uh, I think Mike Elko to Texas A&M is a great hire, and he's made okay. strong assistant coach hires so far. Colin Klein is um, OC, yeah. Colin Klein is OC. He loses yeah. Elijah Robinson. Is Elijah Robinson correct? Is yes, Elijah Robinson. Yeah, loses him. To, to Syracuse to be the D coordinator, and who yep. does he do? He, which was a big loss because that guy's yep. known as a really Very good line coach. Yeah, he's worked with Elko before. Strong recruiter. He was the interim coach. So what does he do? He hires Sean Spencer to replace him, yep. who's considered one of the better D line coaches in, in in the game. Has spent some okay. time in the NFL, but did a really good job of Florida. Did a great job at Penn State. You know, a guy that's a good recruiter, but also a guy known as a good position coach, not just a recruiter, yes. but a guy that can coach. He okay. was on my list for years as who I'd like to see Notre Dame go after on the D-line coach. Yeah. Just some different things like that. I don't know if he's hot, if he's if he's named as D coordinator yet, but I, I I'm just assuming he's gonna bring Tyler Santucci with him, but I could be wrong on that. Possible. But so far he's done a really nice job uh, with that. I think that's a home run hire, Ryan. I'll give my three, and, and if you want to respond to them, I think Willie Fritz to Houston was a great hire, sure. in my opinion. And then the third one that just pops out as my head is if he if he's willing to make the correct decisions as far as how to build the staff, I think Jonathan Smith is to Michigan State from a style yep. of play and a development standpoint is a home run hire. If he could do in Michigan what mm-hmm. Matt Rule did at Baylor, which is find some Midwestern guys that know yep. the area – that can kind of help you on the recruiting trail. But I I think style of play, Ryan, fit what Michigan State needs. He is exactly the kind of coach that, to me, can can get them back on track. Yeah, and I obviously those are a couple of the popular ones. I love the Mike Elko one. I talked heavily about the Jonathan Smith one, the Michigan State. I think that that one can work out very well for them. I also do really like Willie Fritz going to Houston because I just think of Houston, where they are, geographically being able to bring in some of the top talent around Houston. I think that if they keep just a few of those kids there, because Houston has some talent, man, they just keep pumping out. Like, I mean, like Patrick Paul is going to get drafted this year. Nelson Caesar, the defensive end is going to get drafted. Like they have some talent, man. They've really tanked L last year. Like they have dudes. It's just about, I think the coaching side of things, like all due respect to Dana Holgerson. I think Dana Holgerson is a good offensive mind, but like, a little bit of a blowhard as a head coach. I mean, he is so he's undisciplined as yes. a person. Yes. And so it's no shock that his teams are undisciplined. Absolutely. I mean, I think, think that's a good way to phrase it. What one, like this one really caught me off guard, Brian. And I didn't know that he had like a little bit of history there. Did you see Bracco Mendenhall going out to New Mexico, yeah. man. Like, you know what it is? Like, I just think he loves coaching football, but doesn't yeah. like being at the big schools that requires the things and, that they require. I'm sure he will make that New Mexico program very yeah. respectful in a couple of I mean, years. I'm sure he will. I worked for a guy at Muhlenberg College, Ryan, who I've said this before. He was a D coordinator in the Ivy League. I mean, he could have been at a much higher level, but he just. He just he loved coaching football. He didn't like all the yeah. other stuff that went with it. He liked being able Absolutely. to go home at night at, and and see his kids. He liked if his 
son had a game or his daughter had a recital or something. He liked being able to say, Hey guys, you good. I'm going to go to my kid's thing. Yep. And, um, you know, that's, that's some people, that's just that you got to know your level where not just where you're, I mean, Brock Omenital is a phenomenal coach, no matter where he's coaching Very good coach. Yep. But you've got to know where you're comfortable. I think Dave mm-hmm. Clawson's comfortable at the level he's at. I think Brock Omenenhall is going to be more comfortable at a place like New Mexico where he can just be a football coach. And apparently he has some so, ties to that Albuquerque area. So like, cool, man. I thought that was a great hire. The thing about yeah. Willie Fritz too, Ryan, you say this a lot in the NFL, and I think it's it's yeah. true of this Houston hire. Sometimes when you make a coaching change, especially one, because Dana Holgerson wasn't actually a, like a bad coach. I mean, as far He's as fine. record wise, I mean, he, 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 he did some nice things there. You're you're getting rid of him just because you're like this is the best we're going to be. I mean, they're coming off of a year two back back to back years where they went twelve and two and eight and five. Yeah. You know, and they they tanked this year, but it's kind of like you were looking for a reason to fire him if you're going to fire him after his first down year because of- he's like he's like Chip Kelly to a degree in my opinion, where it's like I respect the offensive mind and he's not a bad head coach. It's just that like I feel like he gets in his own way a lot personally, yes. where it's just like, dude, just stop <laughs> like just just go coach you're good man like you have a fine program but yeah hopefully that one works out i also love the fran brown hire up in syracuse yeah. man i think that well, thing could they, really they needed a guy that can time. can teach and recruit that's the big yeah. thing and I, and yeah but the willie fritz thing willie fritz is going to be the exact opposite of dana holderson stylistically personality wise how to build a team i mean dana holderson it's all about scheme 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 Yep. You know, with Willie Fritz, it's about toughness, discipline, being fundamentally sound, development. I mean, yep. they've got this stud quarterback the last two years, and they're a running football team. You know what I mean? It's That's like how they work, man. That's right. And, and and so will that style of play work there? I don't know. But I watched mm-hmm. Tulane this year, and I'm thinking that team has no business being an 11-2 and football team. None. Yep. Yep. But they just found ways to win. They do. And and so I respect Willie Fritz a lot. And as I was, we pointed out, cause I thought he's a guy that A&M should have looked at uh, because at the time we didn't think Mike Elko was interested. And cause he's got Texas background. He was the head coach of Sam Houston state back when they were still on the FCS level and, and had sure. a lot of success there. So, uh, you know, he's, he's got some, he's got some ties to the region as well. So it's not like he's taken over and he doesn't, you know, he, he, he has no clue what he's doing. I mean, this is a, this is a Bible belt Midwestern guy. You know what I mean, Ryan? I mean, he coached at Central Missouri for over a decade. He coached at Sam Houston State for four years and took them to the college football national championship game in back-to-back years. And this was 2011 and 2012. It's not like this was like 20, 30 years ago. Right. Right. And then spent two years at Georgia Southern before taking the two-lane job. And I don't think people realize how how impressive it is to go 23-4 and four in back-to-back years in the American Athletic Conference, so this it's isn't like a Sun Belt, it's not right? Not the Sun Belt or anything. It, it, to go twenty three and four in back to back years at Tulane, yeah, is That's, really impressive. It's it's probably the best G five conference right now. I mean, the AC oh, is no pretty question. good. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. But Mountain West isn't what it used to be. No. It, I mean, Diego State took a plummet down. Yeah. And, Fresno, yeah. you know, they're they're doing okay, but you know, losing Jake Hayner, I mean, they were a solid team this year. They kind of fell apart a little bit. You know, Air Force was actually pretty good in that league until they lost their quarterback, and then they kind of fell apart. But, yeah, yeah, the Americans, even with the losses of, like, Cincinnati and teams like that, they were the best. Now, they're not going to be now because they're losing SMU and they're going to keep losing teams, you know. But but we'll, we'll see how it goes out. But those are the hires I, 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 you know, right now I like the most, right? I don't know anything about Spencer Danielson at Boise. I, You know, Sean Lewis, 
I thought he did some okay things in a year or two at Kent State, but he's, he's got a, a good offensive team. mind. He's a good yeah. offensive mind. I don't know if he's a head coach, but yeah. he's a good offensive mind. Yeah. Well, I, I feel I, I don't I, I don't know if, if you agree with this, but like there hasn't been really a hire that I like hated so far. No, like, I understood most no. of them, right? I mean it's it's if anything, it's I just don't know a lot about the guy. That's right. like I think Northwestern like Webby being yes. a head coach. Like I have no right. idea. No I, idea. I can understand it. I think it yeah. makes sense. It's a risk sure. worth taking with his background. Will it work out or not? I don't know. But it's a I get it. Take the risk. Just like they did with Dan Mullen. I mean, we had no idea yeah. what kind of coach Dan Mullen was. I, mean, I don't believe he'd ever been a head coach before, right? He came as he was so. the OC at Florida. Yeah. And got that job. And it worked out. You know, you take mm-hmm. an innovative offensive mind. A guy that brings some toughness to the table, and I think Jeff Lebby does with his background and the positions he's coached. Because, like, the thing about Jeff Lebby, Ryan, is, is I believe he was a wasn't he an O line coach for like early on? Yeah, he was a yeah. Like, I think I think he's like from the uh, he's kind of the style been, of like Jeff Grimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like offensive yeah. line coach, OC like, type. He's of dude. been yeah. a quarterback coach for a while, but I, I yeah. believe he was an offensive lineman. I believe and and coached that at least early in his career. So, um, but. Um, you know, I I think the only the only hire Ryan that I would look at and say, you know, I, I, Sean Lewis, I'm just I'm just I'm not as high on him as some other people. I'm just not, but I understand why they did it. Again, completely polar opposite from from uh, Brady Hoke. The other one that I thought is an interesting hire that that I don't know a thing about him as far as what makes him a good coach, but the Kurt Signetti hire is intriguing for me because that guy did a really nice job at James Madison, like a really nice job, but you know, you hired an older, an, an older coach. And so you're kind of like, um, how's that going to be, you know, but this is a guy that, that, that has Northern ties. I mean, he was at IUP. That's, that was his first head coaching job. Yeah. Uh, took them to the college division two playoff for two, you know, two years did some, you know, had a winning record two years at Elon and then did a great job taking James Madison from the CAA where they won the national championship in 2019 under him. Yep. And then the next year they went through uh, seven and one in a shortened season. And then the next year they went uh, 12 and two. And then in his two years, making the jump from FCS to FBS in his two years, he went 19 and four. Yeah. In, in his two years, Ryan, and, and had some good wins. I mean, they beat power five teams, not, not great power five teams, but they beat some power five teams and, and uh, you know, he did a good job. I just don't know enough about what he does to make him successful to sure. say whether it will or won't be hired, be, be a good hire. But here's what I know. The guy's been at four schools and he's won everywhere he's been. Right. He's a good That's coach. That's what I know about him. There, there's right? a question of if he's the right coach for the right school, but like he's a good coach. There's no like super head scratchers this year. Like a couple years ago when Don Brown was hired by <clears> UMass, <throat> you're just like, why? Why is Don Brown being hired as the head coach at UMass? Jim Moore Jr. actually did a good job in his first year, but like I even him, I was just like, why is Jim Moore Jr. coming to yeah. coach UConn? Like that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Like there's just some of those head scratchers. Hasn't really been a head scratcher. Like even there, there might Manny be one. Diaz going down yeah. to Duke. Like I, I understand that though. I, I get just that. I kind of feel like how many times are we going to give Manny Diaz an opportunity to be a head coach to realize like this guy's not a head coach, right? I mean, it just you, you kind of watch how the program got run at Miami. And you're like, guys, I don't know if two years at Penn State under James Franklin's enough time for this guy to realize what he failed at Miami. Yeah. You I know, just don't think, I just don't think that's a really attractive job. No, a lot it's of not. people are leaving. And sure. It's just, uh, well, I mean, Ryan, I'm watching Duke late in the year and yeah. they're a good football team and they're playing, I think, Wake Forest on a night game. And it's a Thursday night basketball season hasn't started yet. And there's nobody there. 
Yeah, nobody. I'm thinking you guys suck. Like you guys as a fan base absolutely suck. You know, they were at the time they were five and three. You know, and and it's an early November game. You've got a good, tough football team, one of the better defenses college football. Two of your three your three losses were to Notre Dame in a close game, Florida State in a game you led in the second half, and then the Louisville game. So you lost to three good football teams. You'd beaten Clemson that yep. year. You'd spanked the ranked NC State team by 21 points. And there's 18,000 people in the stands. Yeah. And a, at least a third of them were Wake Forest fans. And I'm like, you guys suck. Like yeah. at that moment, I was like, there's no way Mike Elko is going to stay there. If that's the apathy of that fan base for the job he's done the last two years after they were terrible the three, four years before he got there, it's yeah. like, I want to stay there. But that's the problem with hiring Manny Diaz because Manny Diaz is going to come there. And if he has any success his first two years, he's going to leave. Yeah. You well, know? unfortunately, like that program, I mean, one, they were a senior laden team in general. And now you lost, obviously, Riley Leonard to the portal. You lost LRJ Odin, Oben to the portal. I mean, it's just. Unfortunately, with the state of where Duke is from the fan support perspective, fan support perspective, I feel like that's going to be a program that once a player has their degree and if they have extra eligibility left, they're just going to get poached a ton. Like that's just kind of what, what that program seems mm-hmm. like to me. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Again, I understand it, and I partly think that I just wasn't a lot of coaches that were interested in that job. Like that's probably right. what the, what the the end result is. But right, we'll see what happens with it. Obviously, right. I'm just really not a big Manny Diaz fan. I think that if if New Mexico hires uh, Bronco Mendenhall, that'll make sense. I think we talked about David Braun. He absolutely earned that job. Louisa Monroe, I don't know who they're – they haven't hired anybody yet. UTEP, and then Tulane has to make a hire. So it's actually a pretty small head coaching turnover yep, season. Yep. And, a, and, and, and when you look at the jobs that are open now, Ryan, the Duke job – the James Madison job and the Tulane job are all open because somebody left for another job, not yeah. firing. Yeah. You know, so man, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see who takes the Tulane job. Cause that's going to be a tough yeah. transition, man. That was another yeah. senior laden team and following what Willie Fritz did the last two to three years. is like, Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not going to be fun. That's like, yeah, fun. you've peaked. <laughs> yeah. You have peaked. Yep. That was as good as Tulane is going to be. And uh, you have to follow that now. Yeah. So we'll see. Good luck with that. Yeah. And if you're smart, you, you know, you hope that there's someone on staff or not, if you're smart, you hope as an administration that there's somebody on staff that can kind of, that you believe in, that, you know, that you say, hey, you know, like a, a their version of a Marcus Freeman kind of guy, yeah. you know, somebody that, you know, can say, hey, this guy, this guy's ready. Let's sure. see what he can do so we can keep the cultures as close as, as we can to the same. Yeah. So good, good question. Good question, Tyler. Oh, he always, he always asks those non Notre Dame questions with the super chats, which I enjoy yeah. on mailbags. Sure. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The regular season is over. But that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows. And you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. 
Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. We had a question from Gideon Rosa says, What is the most ta- taking the game in your own hands moments you have seen from a quarterback in the last decade? Mine would be Trevor Lawrence versus Ohio State in 2019. That's a good pick, man. He was, yeah. he put that team on his back. That they were day. down 16 nothing. He made yeah. some big time throws. He ran for over 100 yards. I mean, well, that he busted pretty... that 70 yard run or whatever it was for a touchdown. That like yeah. kind of was like, okay, they're back in it now. Yeah. They're okay now. They're okay. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Was it was 16 nothing when he did that? Wasn't it, Ryan? So. Or was that yeah. their second touchdown? Let me. They look were definitely that up. behind by a decent margin when that yeah. happened. I'm pretty sure that was the first touchdown, if I remember yeah. correctly. But, I'm gonna go yeah. look that up. I'm pretty sure it was 16 to nothing. Let me go look that up. Yes, it was 16 to nothing, and he. It was their second touchdown run, so he broke so so that he broke that one, Ryan, uh, with a basically barely over a minute left in the half. Yeah. So, so Etienne had scored the first time, and then and then you come out in third quarter, and he hit he hits uh, Travis Etienne for a touchdown, and then Ohio State takes takes lead back, and he you know puts him on his shoulders and go down goes down and it does it again. So that was a that was a good one. That was a great one. <sighs> I think some other just. I mean, you, know, you could you could you could point to a couple games from Jaden Daniels this year. I mean, the Missouri game this year. I mean, the, he was hurt, banged up, and Missouri just kept scoring. And Jaden was like, "All right." They, there was like there was like one player was like third and forever, and he yeah. just like makes and he just takes. I mean, he had a couple of those type of games this year, which he needed to because his defense was so bad. Sure, but he had to do those type of things. I mean, Texas A and M. He just kind of had to take that game over eventually. He had to do a lot of that this year. But that's why his team lost three games because you can't ask your quarterback to be Superman every single week. It, it was in a loss, but I remember the playoff game, Kyler Murray against Alabama. Yeah. I felt like he put that on his shoulders and kept that game even competitive, you know, because yeah. like they that's had no business one. winning that game. That's like, a no good one. Business. And he said from uh, from a quarterback, I mean, I'm going to have to think of some more from a quarterback. But, oh, Cam Newton in 2010 against Bama. Yeah, that was second yeah. half against Bama. That was yeah. one just just off the top of my head. It was basically like quarterback power and yeah, all games. Yeah. So, and he yeah. wasn't a quarterback, but but just a game that keeps popping in my head. Ezekiel Elliott against Bama in 2014. It's not a sure. quarterback. He took that game over in the second half. I mean, he was yeah. a monster in that game. Yep. I'm trying to think of some others. Um, well, what's what's I mean from Notre Dame? Uh, you know, just some some moments from Notre Dame. I mean, Brady Quinn had some moments in his sure. career. It was just like I mean. He made so many big time plays against USC. It was a loss, but against in 05 against USC, he made so many big time plays in that game. Yeah. Um Brady uh, Brady Quinn in the second half against Michigan State in 06 is another one. Or he just 
He's throwing dimes in the rain. I mean, he drops that go ball or that fade ball on the outside of Raymond McKnight for a touchdown in pouring mm-hmm. rain, and you're just like, dude, that's insane. Yeah. Like, and we have a question about Brady Quinn and Riley Leonard, which I'm looking forward to. But that's the thing about Brady is just – I mean, he just – he wasn't pretty. He – you know, all that. But he could just he could just take some games over. Yeah, he was uh, a football player, man. Just a yeah, he player. was. He really, really was. I'm trying to think of some more from, from Notre Dame. Over the years, there really weren't – I mean, because, like, part of me is, like, Deshaun Kaiser just was money against Temple, but the reason he needed to be money against Temple because he threw two freaking turnovers. Yeah. yeah where he had to say – he wasn't saving the team from anything other than himself, you know. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of a few. I mean, I'll say this. Ian Book put Notre Dame in a tough spot with some of his fumbles and misses, but – that last drive against Clemson in 2020 was clutch. Yeah, I mean, it was very clutch. I felt like I need to go back and watch the game, but I felt like Malik Zaire in the in the opener that you know his year as a starter like was just oh he shredded that Texas. first game you know like just what shredded Texas in that game yeah shredded Texas in that game uh yeah I mean well I mean and again it was a it, he put them in the problem but when they when they finally got down 34 to three Ever Golson was just a ridiculously unconscious yeah until 34 31 and then they you know they 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 came back and won the game so we've seen stretches but as far as putting your team on the shoulders and in a win that's a problem for Notre Dame they haven't had a ton of those that I can think of where a guy just took over a game in a similar in a similar way as like a Trevor Lawrence you know guys would Mm -hmm. make some plays Everett made that huge throw against Oklahoma but he didn't take that game over he just made that great throw at the end of the game he made a great throw uh, you know, twice against Stanford, he had the 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 uh, go ball to Tyler Eifert that that mm-hmm. for a touchdown uh, in 2012, and then he had the the game winner to, to Ben Koyak in in 2014. That was a great ball, but uh, and, and Jimmy Clausen took some games over and losses too. I mean, he had some insane games yeah. in 09, but it's just like his team was so bad that it just didn't matter. You know, I mean, it just was like I felt kind of bad for him at times. Not not Notre Dame related, but I know he was a very unlikable person. But I thought Johnny Manziel had a couple of those games. Yeah, where just like that's why they won. Well, the like, Bama game in, in 2012 was like Lamar that. Lamar Jackson yeah. every game he ever won at Louisville, yeah. pretty much. Like yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, here's one from Jimmy that was a win. Because uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Some remember the Washington game in 2009 that they won 37 to 30. I mean, him and Golden Tate were just stupidly good together in that game. I mean yeah. that was a that was a heck of a, a take a game over and the thing is he had to do that because if he didn't do that they couldn't win. That's the crazy thing about it is like if Jimmy didn't I mean in that game Ryan I mean you look at his numbers they won 37-30 he went 23 of 31 for 422 yards he averaged 13.6 yards per attempt in that game. You know it's like he had a game in 20 2009 against Stanford he went 23 of 30 that's a 76.7% completion percentage. Yeah. 340 yards, average 11.3 yards per attempt and five touchdowns, had a 226.87 pass rating, and they lost. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, people can get mad. And in that game, uh, Golden had nine catches for 244 yards, by the way. But I mean, he just had some games you're like, dude, how does he, how's he doing that? And then they would still lose because the, yeah. the team around him was so bad. Yes. You know, threw for 452 yards and completed 72.5% of his passes against Navy, and they lost 23 to 21. Just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't. That team was so bad. <laughs> Just so bad. 
Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I, I think we saw one in a loss last year, too, with the Ohio State-Georgia playoff game, man. Like, C.J. Stroud had one of those. Oh, games yeah. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a blowout yeah. of C.J. Stroud. Oh, I mean, yeah. That was, that was one of those CJ Superman was... games. And it wasn't typical C.J. Stroud fashion. It was kind of what you yeah. always hoped he would be, which is, dude, yep. be willing to use your legs and Move stuff like that. Bit. And, yeah, yeah. Yep. he had some great – he had a great performance in that game. Some great throws yeah. in that one. Great ones. He really did. It, yep. That's one of those – if you're an Ohio State fan, that's one of those – what if moments like Notre Dame fans have with BC in 93, yep. you know, which is if they could have just won that game, they're national champs, mm-hmm. right? Cause they would have beat TCU. Now they wouldn't have beat TCU the way that Georgia did. That was just, I mean, that was just a fluky type of game, but they would have beat TCU convincingly in my opinion. And I know TC, Michigan beat Ohio state TCU beat Michigan. That's not how it works. It's how do you match up? Yeah. And TCU wouldn't have oh. matched up as beat up as they were going to that title game. They wouldn't have matched up very well against T- Ohio State. TCU and Michigan's another good one with Max Duggan, man. Yeah. Max Duggan oh, put yeah. that team on his back. Well, he, he did exhausted. that. He did that in the Big Twelve title game yeah. too. It's just in a loss. Kansas yeah. State just went down and like I was. We were talking about this the other day. Like they were picking that kid up off the ground the play before he runs it in for a touchdown on third down to give them yeah. that late lead. It's like yeah. that's those kids are. You love those moments. And I want to see more of those moments from Notre Dame. And that's the disappointing thing that we didn't, you know, we didn't see all that, enough of that from Notre Dame in, in, in the years is we don't see enough of those quarterbacks putting teams on their shoulders. And that's why it's important to, you know, to get a Riley Leonard, but then to get to develop Kenny Minchie and to get and, and get and develop CJ Cars and get and develop the Deuce Knights. Because the thing I like about all three of those quarterbacks, Ryan, is they are guys that if developed correctly and they work hard and all that right attitude, but they have the physical tools, in my opinion, and the mental tools to be that kind of quarterback in Notre Dame, all three of them. And you really just need one of them to pan out. Right. And that's why recruiting big time players every year is important, but the development's the key as well. And um, that's what we're going to find out if they can do that. we got a comment here from Craig Bolton, right? Craig said, disappointed in how the regular season went, but so excited for next year. Agree. I talked about this, Ryan, yesterday. You know, there, it's just what it comes down to for me is, yes, I was I was disappointed in this year. There's no doubt. And and I, I made a joke on a, a sarcastic – it wasn't a joke. It was a sarcastic comment on the message board. Somebody was complaining about something again, and I'm like, look, I get why you're frustrated during this 4-8 and eight season. And the sarc- it's like, but that's how people are acting, like this team went 4-8. and eight. Yeah. And I'm like, to a degree, I get it because this team nine and three felt like that a little bit because there was just you're like, how did they? And then you'd watch Louisville play in games after, and you're like, how did that team beat us? You know, and and you watch that all. And I've gone back and watched that Ohio State game, and I'm just thinking, how did they lose this game? You know, like the only team that I really felt like Notre Dame just got flat outplayed from start to finish was Clemson. They just got outplayed by Clemson, and they still had six possessions with a chance to tie (laughs) the football game. Yeah, and you're just like, man, like it just, it was disappointing. You look at the experience and the talent, and you're just like, it was disappointing. I get it. Yeah, but you're excited about the future because I still do believe in Marcus Freeman, mm-hmm. but the talent, man, like that they're gonna have next season, because now these these f- classes that Marcus Freemans are bringing in, they're like now they're sophomores and juniors, and, and you're getting your third Marcus Freeman class coming in you start getting kind of fired up about what this football team can be. And, um, you know, now Benjamin Morrison, just like that is a veteran. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy how it goes, but it's just, you know, that's the excitement that you have is like, you know, gosh, what's a Notre Dame cornerback room going to look like that has Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray, Jaden Mickey, Chance Tucker, Leonard Moore, and Carson Hobbs. And I did finally watch a little bit of his senior film. Yeah. I don't even know why I took the time to question that pickup. (laughs) 
Like, why <laughs> do I still trust my judgment over Mike Mickens? I don't understand why I do that, Ryan. You know, because we said I said at the time, like, look, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because Mike Mickens has earned it, but I just don't see it with him. Yep. And then you watch a senior film, you're like, oh, because I've Pretty been good, told. Man. Pretty good. I was yeah. told. And, and we've talked about this. What I was told by people in Notre Dame is he's going to get a lot faster. And I, yes. Remember, we talked about this. And I was he like, was okay, a lot <laughs> and, there, and then he went out this year and he was a lot faster. A lot I'm faster. Like, oh, okay. I see. And he's big and physical because I'm like, he can move to safety. Yeah. That kid can play. Him and Leonard Moore are, I mean, who, you know, and you're that, just. Like, that's what it's a lesson because, yes, it's development and it's physically, you know, maturing and everything. But young athletes go run track. Just go do it, right? If you are a skill position player, go run track because yeah. I think that was a big thing for Carson was getting heavily involved in the sprint as Learning a sprinter. Learning how to run. Exactly. Ryan, learn how to. But it just, it's a testament yeah. to Mike Mickens, though, Ryan, that he could look at that kid yep. that Ohio State didn't think much of, Michigan didn't think much of, we didn't, I didn't think much of. I think you liked him a little bit more than me, but we bit. both thought he was like a bottom of the class type of guy. Yeah. And, but Mike Mickens saw this kid early and said, I want that guy. Yep. That guy can play for me. Yep. And you're like, dude, why, why are you taking him that early? But Mike Mickens was adamant. I want that guy. And now you're looking at it like, this is why he's somebody you have to keep on staff. I mean, you have to do whatever it takes to keep Mike Mickens on staff. Brian, I'll say it like this. The other day, there was a fun little debate between the 2024 class on who's the fastest in the class. That was awesome, by the way. Yeah. And if I told you a year from now that Carson Hobbs would be in that conversation, you probably would have laughed at me. You would have laughed. I'd have been like, Ryan, you need to find something else to do. Right. With your profession. You you do not know how to value. I mean, but then but, you see him chase down a dude from 50 yards away. You're like, oh. And now you're like, right, he yeah. had a conversation. I mean, it, it is wild how that happens, man, where you can watch a kid. And, 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 and Ryan, we didn't miss on the evaluation of what he no, was. He just got better. Just what got we better. missed on was the was what Micken saw of not what he is. Because whenever I'd have conversations, it was never, hey, you're wrong in your evaluation of what he is now. It was, we think he's going to be this. Yeah. Okay. I trust you. And it, he became that much quicker, I think, than even they expected. Yes. But yeah, I mean, so I, 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 I've said this many times. I love when I'm wrong like that. Yeah. But you watch him now, right? And now all of a sudden, that speed with that size, because Carson's not a small kid. He is a, yep. he is a physical kid. He's mm-hmm. at least six foot. You know, he's at least my height when I yep. walk by. He's at least my height, if not a tad taller. He's long and he's physical, because that's the one yep. thing we liked about him. This kid. Can hit like you showed me that you sent me that clip the other day, yep. Where he just just stuns that guy at the line of scrimmage and just in right, I mean, just dominates that guy. You're like, dude, that's a guy with some, yep. like that's a Cam Hart type of play right there. Yep. But we never saw that from Cam Hart when he was in high school, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. But it's just things like that, Ryan. Just when you look at the talent they're bringing in, I love J.D. Bertrand, love Maris, love Jack Kaiser, great kids. But it's like you're going to be so much longer and athletic there. Yes, you know, lo- love the love love Nana and what he did for Notre Dame, but you're going to be so much more athletic at that position well, next year. And I think that's the biggest difference. I think that's honestly what needed to change because I mean, Notre Dame's had some good teams over the years where you're just like, they're not a bad team. It's just when you go against the more athletic teams, you're like, I can see where the athletic deficiencies yeah. are on this football team. I can see where the gap is, right? And the like size the and the length. Yeah. At the end of the day, like I loved Sean Crawford for the player that he was right. And, and how he stuck it out and the adversity he hit. But the biggest, I remember what was the biggest thing against Alabama that year, Brian, like they would just throw bubble screens out to 
Devonta Smith, and you're just like, they don't have anybody that can match him in space. They also don't have anybody out there. And it's just like, that's where the gap is. You need to close that gap. Next year, you're going to talk about, I mean, you already said it, but you're going to have Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray, Jaden Mickey, guys that can cut that gap, right? That they can make those plays in space. I mean, that's the biggest difference, man. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be yeah, and 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 that's where a lot of the excitement comes from. But now you got to start translating that into W's. That's gonna be the key. Yep. We had Gideon Rosa, another one who says, "Who do you think is the best wide receiver portal targets? Chris Mitchell, Josh Kelly, or Bo Collins, and which fits the Notre Dame scheme with Riley Leonard best?" Well, I'll say this, Ryan. To me, if I'm ranking those three, I'm gonna do it diff- this way. Who has the best combination of floor plus ceiling? It's John Mitchell. It's Chris Mitchell. Excuse me. I wish John Mitchell was coming to Notre Dame. Uh, although I'm going to tell you the text I just got, Ryan. But uh, the guy that has the highest floor, just pure floor, Josh Kelly. The guy that has the highest ceiling of of hasn't gotten there yet, but if it clicks, could get there is Bo Collins. And and when you look at Bo Collins, especially back as like when you watch him as a freshman and you watch how he started off last year before he got hurt, you saw why he was a top 100 recruit. Yep. And and he's a, he's a lot like – he's kind of a little bit of a mixture of Deion Colsey and Tobias. He's got a little bit more of a body like Deion, but not as tall. He's a long strider like Tobias is, where he's, a, he's faster than you think he is. He's a guy that's averaged about 17 yards per catch in his career, but he's just a guy – and he's a guy that you know has, has really evolved as a route runner. He was stuck in an offense that doesn't fit his skill set. That That's really yeah. what it comes down to, and we've been talking about that for two years. But the reality is, is his production is what it is, Ryan. We can talk about what it could be or should be or whatever, but the guy's never had more than 31 or so catches, and he's never had more than 500 or so yards, and he's just never been that guy. But yeah. – I do think he's a guy that has a chance to be that light goes on type of player as a senior. Cause the thing, the difference between the other two kids, he's two years younger than all those guys. He's a true junior. And sure. as far as eligibility in college, he, I think he's going to graduate because he was an early enrollee. So he'll graduate and be, a, end up being a graduate. But as far as experience, Ryan, he he's been in college three years. Those other two kids have been there for five. Yeah. So that's how I would evaluate them. Um, so best right now, John, Mitch, Chris Mitchell, uh, highest floor, Josh Kelly, highest ceiling, Paul Collins. Um, yeah. That part first, Ryan, and then we'll kind of get into the scheme part uh, part second. But th- your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that for Notre Dame specifically, I would go Chris Mitchell because I think that his skill set is what Notre Dame needed most, in my opinion, as far as a deep separator. Honestly, it'd be splitting hairs between Josh Kelly and Bo Collins for me. Like, I, because I honestly think if Bo Collins was in Washington State this past year, like, or his stats probably similar to Josh Kelly, like, most likely, right? I mean, like, it's probably just a different situation overall. But I would, I would say for me, I would go Bo second and then Josh third. But it's like a two A two B conversation for me, right? I mean, I, I really do think that if you can unlock the best of Bo, that you're talking about a, the best of the three, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that you have that. But I think that Chris Mitchell is the guy that I would say is significant. Well, not significantly, but he's, he is my number one on the board for that qu- question, Gideon, because I do believe that what he brings to the table is something that Notre Dame needs a whole lot more of, and I think that that is the interesting part for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to some more. Oh, uh, Notre Dame fit scheme for me. 
I think, as Ryan said earlier, you're adding guys that have skills that you don't have or don't have enough of. And to yep. me, uh, Chris Mitchell, to me, more than any of them, is a guy that they needed the skill set more than any others. But I also believe to run this type of offense, you need vertical threats. And I think Bo Collins can bring a vertical threat uh, to the table. So it would be Mitchell, Collins, Kelly for me as far as scheme fit. And Josh Kelly's a fine scheme fit for Notre Dame. It just to me, he's a he Josh Kelly to me. This is who Josh Kelly is. Josh Kelly is Rico Flores in three, four years. Like tough kid, not a burner, knows how to play the game, contends for the football well, you know, nothing special, just knows how to play. Like I was talking to nobody's like, I can't explain to you why Josh Kelly was good this year. I can't, I can't like do an evaluation from like he's He's got this unique trait. He's got this speed. He's got this size. Got he just hands and he's confident, man. Yeah, and he knows how to confident. play, right? It, this yeah. is what we talk about all the time. There's when it comes to evaluating receivers, there has to be a point in time where you say to yourself, "This kid just knows how to get open." No, yeah. he doesn't have this. No, he doesn't have that. No, he doesn't. Ha- I understand all that, but this kid just knows how to play and knows how to get open. There's yeah. an emp- there's a, and this is something I've been so I get so annoyed by at Notre Dame for years. You don't respect the craft. Right. And I get that that's part of this is personal to me because I coach receivers and it's my baby or whatever the case may be. But the reality is it's not even just that. Right. Go watch football. Look, the best receivers, the best teams, unless you just have freaks like T Higgins and Justin Ross, who are just freaks. But even like the LSU kids in 2019. Yeah, they were some freaky. Jamar Chase is a freak. Jamar Chase knew how to play. Justin Jefferson knew how to play. Yep. Like they weren't just, okay, we're better than you. They knew how to run routes. They knew how to win. They knew how to. People, people forget that. People forget that Justin Jefferson was a senior. Like right. it wasn't like he was just like this young buck right. where you're just like, he's just athletically better than everyone. Like, yes, he's very athletic, but also he was a perfectionist at his craft. There's no doubt. Cause he had played slotted LSU. He had played outside. And I mean, that, why is it translated so much in Minnesota the first three years of his career? Because he knows how to play the game, man. Like, and he's also a very good athlete. So yeah. those things together make you a great football player. So I just, I there, there has to be a respect for the craft. And when I watch Josh, Kel- Josh Kelly, I see no endearing physical traits. He's not that big, six one. He's listed as six one. Yeah. Don't know if I believe he's necessarily six one, one ninety two. I could probably, I probably have an official you know, measurement on him. I'm yeah, I'd be curious to hear that, Ryan. Built yeah. like a built like a field guy. Plays like a boundary guy. Doesn't have great speed. Yep. But the guy just, even when he's covered, he makes these, like, did you see the um, the one-handed diving catch he had from the slot? He ran, like, a wide fade. Against? Oh, God. I'd have to go back. It was a road game because he was wearing yeah. white. Okay. I'd have to go back and find it. It might have been Oregon State, but I'd have to go back and find it, Ryan. But it's just like, come on, man. This this kid just knows how to make. So even when he's covered, he knows how. You just, just And that's what I'll give Cam Ward a lot of credit for this year. Is one thing I really liked is he would just say, okay, I'm in a one-on-one. I'm going to give my guy a chance to go make a catch. Right. And he doesn't have really have receivers that create a ton of separation. No. Even Josh Kelly doesn't create a ton of separation. No. Just like, you need trust in that kid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. a that I mean, that's something that we were frustrated by with Notre Dame this year. It's like, dude, just just yeah. give your guy a chance. It's a one-on-one. Just give your guy a chance. Give him that's, put the ball in a place where he can go make a play. That, that's why I love Cam Ward, man. He's never seen a yeah. ball that he doesn't no. like. Like he just puts no. that sucker up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some bad things happen at times, but and I do not have an official measurement. He was not on the bus to report okay. this past offseason. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.